Hey, we have made it. We are at the end of our uh, sermon series on the life of David. Some of you guys are going, man, that's about time. And I, I was thinking like David must have lived like 900 years, even those you know old dudes in the Bible, because man, we've been going on of the life of David. But if, if you're done with the life of David, so are we. Uh, today's the last day, and uh, we're uh, finishing up on that. How many of you guys, as you came in, uh, you guys got Pringles? Everybody get Pringles? Who doesn't have Pringles? Because you're going to want Pringles today. You need Pringles today. You didn't get Pringles? Dude, there's your Pringles, man. All right. Good catch. Who else needs Pringles? Right there. All right. All right. Whoa, Nelly. There you go. Whoa. We're sharing with neighbors. We're sharing with friends. Pringles. Who else needs Pringles? There you go. Pringles. There you go. Yeah, I mean, golly, guys. That's crazy. Who else? All right, you're going to stand up. Stand up. Come on. Here you go. You ready? All right, here we go. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Okay, um, we're probably not doing that next service. Uh. All right, uh, changing subjects. Uh, hey, uh, in your uh, in your program, you guys probably got one of these. And what you know is is that next Sunday is Friend Day, and uh, we've got Jay Schrader, Super Bowl, uh, actually Super Bowl team quarterback, Pro Bowl quarterback. Uh, I'm not sure though how many people really have heard of Jay or not. So I, I'm he's got an amazing testimony. He's really solid, good Christian guy. People who don't know Jesus yet are going to really, really want to hear what this guy, you know, why a guy that had that much success, got that far in life and says, you know what, though, you need Jesus. And then and then young Christians are going to want to come and, and find out what it means to take a stand and live a journey, you know, with Jesus as number one and everything else number two. So it's a great guy. You're, we're going to want to get a crowd out so people to see him. So here's what I'm asking. Would you take your card, take the card that you got in your program? And when you leave this place today, would you just pray and say, hey, God, who is it that I know? Who is it that's in my life? Who is it that you've allowed me to brush up against who really ought to be here for this? And, and, if, and as your heart gets an answer, would you just take one card, one card and go to one friend and say, hey, you know what? Here's my invite. Would you just come be part of it? We think it's going to be a great Sunday. Would you come? No strings attached. Just come be part of this. Everybody take one card. One neighbor, one friend, one real, one card. That's all we're asking. And then, uh, if you're really, really bold, you can sit with them and admit that they're your friend on Sunday. But uh, <laughs> the other thing that's part of this, uh, we've got on our website an evite. So you may say, well, no, Lynn, I, I got a bunch of friends. I'd like to invite them. If you go on our website, you can just go in, plug their email address in there. Boom, it'll shoot them an invite. It'll have your name on it that you sent them the invite on the deal. Uh, but that's on our website, which is cornerstonechandler.com. Real simple to get to, cornerstonechandler.com, and you can evite your friends. Would you, could you do, want at least one friend, one card, would you do that? And then the other thing I need to say to you guys is this. This service is packed, have you noticed? And if we bring all of our friends, and I realize there's not very many, but if we bring our friends, um, we're, we're going to be crazy. So here's the thing I'm going to ask you, two things. Number one is, don't come to 10 o'clock next week. Just don't pick a, pick another hour. I know that stuff. Pick another eight eight thirty's got a little bit of room. 
1130's got a little bit of room. Evening's got a lot of room. Okay? Go to a different... Next week only. Next week, would you go to a different service? And then the other is this. If we get here next week, and if it's packed, I mean, if it's packed, and it could be, I'm going to ask those of us who call Cornerstone home, if you're here without a friend, would you be the first one to give up a seat and go over to the overflow so that our guests can be in here? Okay? If we pack, okay? Would you, if you don't have a friend... Head over to Overflow. Let our guests be in this room. For one Sunday, would you do that? Okay? And then the other thing, real quickly. Next Sunday, you're going to see a ton of these floating around because we hand these to every visitor. And you guys know it's got the Cornerstone mug on the inside in here. And inside the mug thing is all of the information about our church. Now, all our visitors are going to see this and they're going to go, Oh, wow, that's a really cool gift. Wow, that's neat. You and I know that's not what this is. This is an invitation for you to say hi. Okay? And when you see someone walking around with this, then you immediately, you don't have to stop, you don't have to think. That's your invitation. Just go say, hi, man, so glad you're here. You're doing okay. All right? Can I help you with anything? Hi. This is your invitation to say hi. I cannot tell you how many times as we talk to people who come and experience Cornerstone, how they over and over and over again say, it was so amazing. Just as we walked off the parking lot, the way we were treated, how people responded to us before we heard a single song, before we heard one of your sermons, Lynn, uh, we were already convinced this was home, okay? Which is absolutely cool, and it's because of the heart of the people of Cornerstone. This is your invitation to say hi. So you see one next week, you walk up, you go, man, glad you're here. You need anything? Let me help, okay? Next week. Okay, back to your Bibles, grab them. We're going to dive into the life of David. And if you've been here, you know we've been going through the book of 2 Samuel. So if you head there this morning, 2 Samuel chapter 24. 2 Samuel. If you're not real familiar with your Bibles, if you go to the front, you turn and start working to the right. It's not that far in. And you're going to find 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 24. If you've been here for the series, you've known that the life of David is kind of an erratic life. Matter of fact, it's been a little bit interesting to us because Scripture says David was a man after God's own heart. And yet our experience with David has been, boy, kind of Jekyll and Hyde. Notice the name, hide and seek. And, and boy, when David is on, David's amazing. And when David is off, he's dark. And we thought, wow, how in the world does this guy end up getting that type of reputation, a man after God's own heart? But, you know, if you've watched really, really closely, you've noticed that David's life kind of had some cycle to it. When he first starts out, I mean, he's doing good stuff. He's, he's slaying Goliath. He's, he's there in the cave with uh, Saul and refuses to strike down God's man. And, and you go, wow, David starts off really, really strong. And then he gets kind of that mid-stretch and he begins to fade. And that's when the whole Bathsheba thing happens. That's when his kids start messing up and David doesn't do anything in their lives. And, and, and you go, boy, mid-stretch was tough. And yet, as you come to the end, and we talked about this a little bit last week, as you come to the end, all of a sudden you realize David is pulling it out. That David is doing some of the end of his life to kind of redeem uh, where his life was at. And you remember last week as we talked, there's this moment when David is losing the kingdom. His own son has rebelled against him. David is riding out of the city on the back of a donkey. The people of Jerusalem have lined the streets and are wailing and are crying to see their king. And you just think, boy, I mean, if there was ever a moment when David's going to have a bad day, there's ever a moment when David would chuck his faith and just say, God, forget it. I'm, I'm done. I tried your way. It didn't work. That would be the day. And in that moment, David rises up. And in that moment, David basically says this, look, I am so done 
trying to get God to behave the way I want God to behave. And I'm so done trying to tell God what he should do for me. And as he loses his kingdom in a moment, by all rights, you would think God was out of control. David says this. I don't know what God is doing. I'm pretty sure I don't like what God is doing. But here's what I've decided. I'm done manipulating God. So God, just do whatever seems right to you. And we go, wow, wow. What an amazingly redeeming moment in the life of David. And David understands something that we need to come to know. Today is that second. So today is the second day in which you, we get done today and you're going to go, I get it. I get why scripture says, God said, David was a man after God's heart. And you know, you'd expect today something big's going to, I mean, if, if he slayed Goliath before, then today ought to be like a double-sized Goliath, right? Double whopper Goliath type thing. Or, or maybe he should part the Red Sea or do, you know, some big thing so that you and I can know that he's figured it out and that he's back on track with God and everything's going to be okay from here. So let's grab in because here is the story. Here's the thing that God gives us to say to us, David's all right. No need to fear. It's in 2 Kings chapter 20, I mean 2 Samuel, sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 18. Here's what it says. Verse 18. On that day, Gad went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. And when Aruna looked and saw the king and said in his men coming toward him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Aruna said, why has my Lord, the king come to his servant to buy your threshing floor? David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord and the plague on the people may be stopped. Aruna said to David, let my Lord, the king, take whatever pleases him and offer it up. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering, and here are the threshing sledges and the ox yokes for the wood. O king, Aruna gives all this to the king. Aruna also said to him, may the Lord your God accept you. Verse 24. But King David replied to Aruna, no. No. I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David brought, bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. And David built an altar to the Lord there to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And then the Lord answered prayer on behalf of the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. Isn't that strange? Here's God trying to help you and I understand and get that, that David's okay, that David's life has come back full circle, that David's back on track, and you and I would expect some amazing moment in the life of David, and instead, God gives us a story about how David handled his finances. Isn't that interesting? Why would God pick that to help you and I understand that David's back on track? And then, I mean, if that's not strange enough, I'm not sure why David made this response. Isn't this an interesting response? I mean, what if someone came to you and said, hey, hey, hey I got a deal for you. Let me give you what you need. It'll cost you nothing. I mean, that, that just sounds like a great deal. I mean, what if someone came to you and said, hey, I'll tithe for you next year. <laughs> that's good for me. I'm on with that. I'm okay. And yet David in this moment says, absolutely, no, 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 absolutely not. I will not give to God that which costs me 
nothing. And David in this moment says to you and I this. It's supposed to cost. It's supposed to hurt a little. That's the whole point. Now, in case you haven't guessed today, we're going to talk a little bit about money. And I know some of you are going, oh my goodness. And if you're here and you're pre-Jesus, you you haven't figured out God yet, then you just need to know this. This does not apply to you. It just doesn't. God doesn't have anything to say. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. This is for those who found Christ. And then God is saying, hey, there's something we need. So you have, you have absolutely my permission to check out. Eat your Pringles and be happy. Okay? It's all right. And I know there's some of us in this room today who are baby Christians. I mean, we are just barely in the kingdom. We have just barely figured God out. And the truth is, what we're going to talk about today, if you're a baby Christian, is not going to make sense to you. And that's okay, because you're a baby Christian. That's all right. And the truth is, babies are all about themselves, right? I mean, you think about it, little baby sitting there going, Ah! I'm hungry! Ah! Change my diaper. I mean, that's that's the life of a baby. And... And here's what I'm going to say. If you're a baby, you're right. You're right. At this point in your walk with God, this this probably doesn't apply very well and doesn't make a lot of sense to you. But could I encourage you, even though you're a baby Christian, to watch, to listen a little bit? Because much like a little baby watching its older siblings walk, you know that someday you need this. And I'm just going to tell you that as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, Somewhere you're going to go, look, I've got to deal with this too. This is going to be important for me. And I'm not walking today, but I know it's coming. Okay? And then here's what I want to say to the rest of us. I promise you, promise I'm not going to beat you up today. I'm not. I promise. I just want to ask, why do you think it is that God would say this moment, this moment in the way that David deals with his finances is what tells us he's back? And if it's that important to God, then I would suggest to you and I that how you and I deal with our finances says an awful lot to the heart of God about us. So let's just talk about what, see where we can get. Here's the first thing that I think that God wants us to know that David understood in this moment when he refused to take the easy way out when he said, no, 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 it's got, it's got to cost me something. Here, you ready for this? That when I give to God, it demonstrates that I understand his ownership of me. See, here, here's the deal. And this is going to change your life if this ever sinks in. You realize God owns you, right? That everything you have, everything you've got, everything is his. It is. You guys got Pringles today, right? I want you to just imagine... You, you, you're going, man, this is cool. I mean, I never thought you'd go to church and you'd get something. So pretty cool. And, and, and you start to leave today. And somewhere between here and the parking lot, you lose your Pringles. So you come back into me and you go, hey, Lynn, I, I lost my Pringles. Is there any chance of getting another Pringles? And I go, yeah, hey, come follow me. And as we're heading out to get you another thing of Pringles, we look over and there's Jeff. And Jeff's got two Pringles. 
and we're, we're hey Jeff, man, uh, how'd you end up with two? He says, well, yeah, I got two Pringles. And 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 we happen to look real close and notice, and and right there on the edge of one of the Pringles that Jeff's holding is is some stuff from where you pick your teeth with your Pringles. And so we're going, no, 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 Jeff, 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 those aren't your Pringles. Those are those are our Pringles because it's got the stuff from where you pick your teeth. So we know those are our Pringles. You go, no, those these are my Pringles. So I say to Jeff, hey Jeff, look. We want the Pringles. We really, really do. I'll tell you what. I get it. I get it. Your Pringles are precious. So here's a, I'll buy your Pringles from you. How much do you want for your Pringles? To which Jeff sits and thinks for a minute and he goes, dude, I'm thinking these are pretty cool Pringles. Ten bucks. Ten bucks for my Pringles. And, and I reach inside my pocket. I pull out ten bucks. I hand Jeff ten bucks for his Pringles. I get the Pringles. I hand them to you. And in the moment you're receiving them, I say, you know, here's, I got to be honest. Here's what I was hoping. I was hoping you might consider sharing with me a little bit. Now, in that moment, of course, you're going to say, you're an idiot. No way. Now, I, I would hope in that moment you'd say, dude, Lynn, are you kidding me? I mean, you gave me the Pringles in the first place. And, and then you turned around and paid 10 bucks to get them back. I mean, Lynn, sure, I'll share with you. I mean, you bought those things twice. Did you know that every one of us sitting in this room who calls themselves a Christian is bought twice? See, here's what you need to know. Everything you have, everything that you own was given to you by the hand of God because He created you and He created everything. You're going, no, 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 Lynn. No, no, no. God did not give this to me. I got this from Intel. See, I'm just telling you, you look at the top of my check and it says in big letters, doesn't say Jesus, it says Intel. But here's the question, guys. Who gave you life that you could then go sell on the marketplace to Intel? Who gave you the abilities to add and to know and to supervise and do what you do? Who gave you that? So that you could take it to the free market and get a check. And the reality is if you'll stop and pause. If you'll stop and think about it. You don't have anything. Not even the air you breathe. That you did not receive. You ready for this? From the hand of God. And your very life is His. Because He made you and everything you touch. Now if that weren't enough. See here's what happened. We got our lives and somewhere along the journey, we said, well, no, you know, I'm not sure I like God's plan. I think maybe I like my plan. And a little guy by the name of Satan kind of got in there and said, you know, you're right, you're right, you're right. And so we said, you know, we think your plan's better than God's plan. And so we went and did the stuff. Remember the stuff. And what you need to know is, is that in the moment we did that, the moment we said, God, go take a seat because I'm going to run my own life. In that moment, we took the pink slip of our life and we handed it to the enemy. And so 2,000 years ago, Jesus hung on a cross. You ready for this? To buy you back. And he paid a price much more ridiculous than 10 bucks for Pringles. He laid down his life to redeem you, to purchase you. You ready for this? To purchase you the second time. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles real quick. Go with me over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is going to be way further in your Bible. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 18. Now we gave you guys some markers today. We gave you markers because I think you're going to underline these verses. You're, you're, you're going to want to know that this is true. So just take those and like, you know, scribble them in your Bible. It'd be good. It's okay. Jesus doesn't mind. Okay. So first Corinthians chapter six, verse 18. Here's what it says. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins that a man commits are outside of his body. And he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And then he gets to the kicker. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? Ready? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. And you just need to know that if you're here today and you're a believer, you are twice bought. Let me see this helps. Remember being a kid? Come on. Remember being a kid? Right? I know it's a long... Pretend remembering being a kid. <laughs> On my room, big old sign said, Do not enter piranhas. <laughs> any, any have a sign? Like, Jeff's room. John's room. Anyone have a sign on the room when they were a kid? My room. Huh? About three of us. Okay. <laughs> Any of you got kids right now that got a sign on the room? Just kind of warning you as a parent. There you go. All right. Because, you know, you know, you know what you do when you're kids? You see, you go, my room. My room. My room. And you know what the answer is at the end of the day? No, it's not. No, it's not. That room is on loan to you until your parents decide to kick you out. See, so I'm just, <laughs> there you go. See, so the next time your kids look at you and go, my room, just laugh, laugh at them. <laughs> Let's see. Well, see, here's the deal. You know, it's not your room because you can't take it with you. See, so imagine this, imagine this. Imagine your kid grows up, says, hey, mom, dad, I'm leaving. Next thing you hear, chainsaw on the back. You walk out there, you're going, what are you doing? They're going, I'm taking my room. It's not your room. It's on loan. And you have the privilege of managing it. That's why I, as your parent, can walk in anytime I want. And if you have any doubt, watch this. <laughs> it's not your room. Which is why also I can come into your room and say, clean it up. Because you're only managing the space. Hey guys, not your life. You're only managing the space. Which is why God then comes and says, Hey, I need you to do something that's going to remind your heart that you don't own you. And so God says, I'm going to ask you to tithe. I'm going to ask you to give you one-tenth of whatever touches your hands to remind your heart. Why? Because God needs your, God doesn't need your money. God's not that materialistic. You need to be reminded. I need to be reminded. Who owns me? 
I did some research on our Pringles. Exhaustive research. I need to diet now for about a month. But I researched <laughs> our Pringles. And the average Pringle container has about 10 chips. Isn't that cool? 10 chips. So if this were God, God would say, hey, hey, here's, here's what I want. I want the first chip. See, I, I, want, I want the chip. You, you, can, you can have the other nine. I just want the first chip. So that you can remember who owns you. You know what we do? We go, really? A whole chip? You want a whole chip from me? Oh, man. See, here's, here's, here's the thing. If, if you're struggling with this, here's what I know. Here, you think you own you. You think you own you. Because if you think you own you, and if you think you own your chips, then this moment of giving that chip to God feels like you're sacrificing. Feels like you're giving something really big. But if you and I can get it through our hearts, it says, no, 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 no. God owns the whole stack. And it's so cool, He only asked for one. Then in that moment, you're going, dude, that's a deal. One chip? All right. Woo! I got out of that good. You sure you don't want some more? You know what we do? We go, look, God. God, I, man, I, I just can't get there. I Wow, a chip. You know, we, here's, here's something, God. I'll, 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 just keep, I'll just keep the chips for me. <laughs> man, did I give to God. Wow. You don't know who owns who. That's why God said, no, 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 no. I need a chip to remind your heart that I own all the rest of the chips. Second thing. Second thing I think that David understood and that God wanted us to get. What I do with my chips says an awful lot about if I love God or not. What I do with my chips says an awful lot about what I love. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles again. Go with me to the book of Matthew. It's going to be a little bit to the left in your Bible. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is Jesus talking here. Hey, did you know that Jesus talked more about possessions than he did about heaven or hell? Did you, know that? did you know that out of 38 parables that Jesus had, 18 of them were about possessions? You go, man, God must be really materialistic. No, we are. And he knew this would be a big deal. And that what we decided to do with our stuff would say so much about our hearts. Here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Ready? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You get what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying that there's this incredibly weird connection between your heart and your money. Now, if you're a female here today, that shows up with this muscle that's kind of attached to your heart. Uh, you learn this in sophomore biology. It's attached to your heart. It goes through your arm, comes out your fingertips, and goes into your purse. Okay? If you're a male, then the muscle goes down and kind of wraps around and comes out another place. And then, so, but that's, uh, no, I'm teasing. But you realize Jesus is saying there's a huge connection here, right? He's saying, show me where you spend your money. And I'll tell you what you love. That's what Jesus said. See, here, here's the deal. Let's just be honest. You know why we're so, so hesitant to part with our money? Why? Because here, here's the deal. We're going to take that money and we're going to leverage it. We're going to buy something, you ready, that makes me happy. See, I'm, I'm going to buy me something to love. I'm going to buy me something that I need that's going to fill something in my life. And, and if I were to give that up, if I were to, if I were to relinquish, wow, really? And the reason this scares us to death is because we think, well, I may not be able to buy the thing that I love. I remember when I was a young man. I totally, totally, totally had to have, I mean, the coolest thing in the world. I mean, it was going to make me the man. Okay? You know what it was? Atari 2600. How many remember? How many are old enough to remember Atari 26? I mean, that was a man's man video game, right? Bong, 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 right? I mean, so I am saving and saving because I'm going to get, I mean, I know I need, I am not complete without Atari 2600. And I finally get enough money scraped together. I finally go down. I buy Atari 2600. Guess what happens two weeks later? Nintendo comes out. And, and, can, and can I just say to you today, I, I, I don't even remember what happened to Atari 20. I don't, I don't remember if it broke. I don't remember if I gave. I don't even know what happened to my thing that I loved and had to have. And you know what the truth is? If you were to go back in your life and think about the things you had to have because it was going to fill you and it was the love of your... You don't even remember when they wore out. You don't remember when they rusted in some of the ones you do, you're going, and it was good riddance when I got rid of them. I couldn't believe the guy bought my car for that. And here's what God knows. That when I take my money, take my tenth, and I say to him, you ready for this? I'm going to take my first fruits. I'm going to, before I pay any other bills, before I buy anything else, God, I'm going to give you the first chip. And here's what I'm saying in that moment. Because there's nothing that I can buy with that that I love more than you. And when you and I walk it over to the altar and lay it down, that's huge. 
How many of you guys have ever seen one of those talk shows? You know which ones I'm talking about. Come on. You've seen them? Come on. You did. You liars. All right. You're watching one of the talk shows. And the story is always this. I love him. Oh, I love her. I love her with all my heart. I love her to death. What does that mean? I love her to death. I love her to death. Now, yeah, I've slept with 14 other people, including like her brother and her aunt and everyone else, but I love her. I love her. And if you've got the sense, God gave him a call. Kind of about that time you're turning the channel. But if not, here's what you're doing. You're screaming at the TV. He doesn't love you. Why? Because when you love someone, you write the check. See, when you love someone, you say, no, 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 then I'm going to keep myself for you. I'm going to show it with my actions. Jesus said, you love me? You love me more than anything you can buy? Write the check. Talk is cheap. Third thing that David knew that God wanted us to get. What I do with my money defines my God. What you do with your money defines which God you believe in. You realize there's multiple choice here. You realize you get to choose. And what you do with your money defines which choice you make as to which God you really, really, really trust. Grab your Bibles one more time. Go with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 is the story of the rich one ruler. Remember, he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, that's totally cool. Give up everything you got. Come follow me. And remember, the rich one ruler goes, dude, that's, that, that's too much. And walks away and leaves Jesus. And immediately after that moment, Jesus turns to his disciples to teach them about money. Here it is. Matthew chapter 19, verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples said exactly what you're saying. How come? Why why would that be? Hey, people that don't have anything, they know they need God. I mean, you're sitting there and there's no food in the cupboard. I mean, you're going, God. I need bread. Could you show up? The rich man says, I'll go to the corner and buy some. See, see, people people who don't have money and now they've got a medical emergency are going, God, I man, I need some healing. I you've got to show up. I don't know what to do. The rich man says, Let's go visit the hospital. And what Jesus said is this look, look, it's really, really hard for a person who has a lot to realize they need God. Because they can buy every fix they want. I mean, short of cancer and eternity. And it's really hard for a rich person to figure out they need God. You realize that you and I, living in America, and I, I know we're all sitting here going, man, I don't have any money. You don't understand. I'm debt poor. I've got charged. i got all this stuff. But you realize that your income, my income, you and I live in Chandler. And the reality is, even if you're scraping by, you're in the top 6% of wealth in the world. 
And it's really hard for rich people to realize they need God. And so God says, so that you can be reminded, so that you can make a statement, I need you to take, I need you to take that ship and say, hey, God, 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 I'm not trusting this to solve my problems. I'm trusting you. If you've got, if you've got a, a dollar bill today, pull it out. Pull it out. It's okay. Pull it out. I'm not, we're not going to do any like blitz offering thing. Okay, guys, come. Take it. No, we're not going to do it. In that case, could you all pull out hundreds? Could you? No. Pull out a dollar. See, here's what I do in the moment that I offer the tithe. I say to God, look, 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 look. I'm not depending on this to satisfy me, to bail me out, to solve my problems. Because here's what I get. This is paper with green ink. And a bunch of guys on the front with bad hair days. And I refuse to worship this. I refuse for that to be my answer. I refuse for this to be what I bow my knee to. This will not be my God. You know what? I think think our founding forefathers may have understood the struggle you and I would have. You ever looked at the dollar, back of a dollar? Back of any currency that we have in the United States? What does it say? In God we trust. Wouldn't you think as Christians, you and I should get that? You and I, without apology, would say, no, 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 no. This this is not my answer. It's not. God's my answer. And, and there's, there's nothing that by putting my tithe in that brings any jeopardy to my life because that's not my answer. God's my answer. It defines your God. Let me just ask you a question. Is it possible, is it possible to be an on-fire, mature Christian and struggle with the tithe? Is it possible to love something else more than God Is it possible to trust something else more than God? Is it possible to know exactly what God asked me to do and say, no, 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 I choose to be disobedient and be mature? Is that possible? You answer that for yourself. And I'm just telling you the children of God shouldn't struggle with this. It shouldn't even be a question. How many of you guys have heard the French fry story? Huh? Okay. All of us, except for one. So we're going to tell it again, because I love the story. You can't come to Cornerstone and not hear the French fry story. My son is about 15. He's doing that thing that 15-year-old boys do, where they're growing like a foot every day. Which means he's eating like six meals a day. So we're driving down the road one day, and it's like an hour and a half after lunch. And my son says to me, oh, I'm starving. I'm going, Josh, it's it's an hour and a half after lunch. I'm starving. I'm dying right here. And I go, Josh, what do you want to do? He goes, go home. 
So we pull into McDonald's. You ready for this? This is my son's afternoon snack. Two double quarter pounders with cheese combos. Biggie size, please. We get up to the window. I'm handing the man all this cash. He's handing me bags. My son's sitting there like this in the seat. We begin to pull out of McDonald's. I reach over for a French fry. <laughs> to which my son says, Hey! That's mine! In Christian love. I, no, in Christian love. <laughs> Christian love, I said, hey, who bought that for you? <laughs> hey, guys, give God his fries. Give him his Pringle. It shouldn't even be a discussion. Not if you and I, and I understand what God just did for us. Let's bow our heads. Dearest Heavenly Father, see, here's the, here's the deal, God. Some of us are in here going, wow, why did I come? And yet, the reality is you're saying, this is big stuff. It's not big stuff because you need our money, God. It's big stuff because it bothers us so deeply. And because we love our money. And you knew that about us. And so you simply said, Prove to me you love me more. And God, we're just here today and we get it. It was yours anyways. It's all yours. If we don't, we're just managing it. And so the truth is, God, the answer is yes. The answer is sure. The answer is we're surprised you didn't ask for more. But the answer is yes. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I guarantee I guarantee you there's some here going, okay, okay I, I get it. But I'm just thinking, boy, I mean, by the time you would tithe, you'd, you'd have to be serious about God. Exactly. Exactly. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you said because we would love our stuff so much that what we chose to do with it would say volumes about our hearts. God, we're, we're just here today to say we're going to send the message loud and clear. You're going to know who we love. You're going to know who we trust because you're going to get the first pringle. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May God be with you as you go. Thanks for being here. You got questions? Come to the front. We'll talk.